Hello, and welcome to Revive Church Podcast with Pastor Todd Mazingo. I'm your host, Paul Garner. Thank you for listening today. Have you been wanting more direction from God in your life? Perhaps you've been asking, what is God's plan for my life? Is there a greater call on my life that I have not seen? Are you somewhat frustrated that you are not being used? Is there something wrong with me? Pastor Todd addresses these questions today and teaches us about how the Holy Spirit calls us and directs His people and what the process of the call becoming reality looks like. Be sure to listen in to the end for some very important information. Today we're going to talk about Holy Spirit direction. Direction. Uh, I think direction is something that most believers are looking for. I think it's something we all want. We want that direction from God. We want that direction from the Spirit. I think many of us have been waiting for that direction, waiting for that next thing, waiting for that, what is my plan? What is my purpose? What am I going to? Is there a ministry? Is there a greater call on my life? And I think for many people, and this is who I'm mainly speaking to today, there's a frustration that grows. There's a frustration that grows because of our desire to want to be used and want to be called and not really see that call and wonder what is going on? Why am I not moving forward if I'm available? What's, what's going on in that call? And so I know in the first service this morning, it really struck several people, uh, and I hope that it helps you. I want to talk today mostly about the process of the call. The process of the call in four distinct points out of Acts chapter 13. So if you're ready to get into it, let's go to Acts chapter 13. Acts 13, I'll be in verse 1. It says, There were at Antioch in the church that was there prophets and teachers, Barnabas and Simon, who was called Niger, and Lucius of Cyrene, and Manin, who had been brought up with Herod the Tetrarch, and Saul. And while they were ministering to the Lord and fasting, The Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work which I have called them to. And then when they fasted and prayed and laid their hands on them and sent them away. So being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to Seleucia and from there they sailed to Cyprus. And then they reached Salamis, and they began to proclaim the word of God in the synagogues of the Jews. And they also had John as their helper. And when they had gone through the whole island as far as Pathos, and they had found a magician, a Jewish false prophet named Barjesus, who was with the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence. This man summoned Barnabas and Saul and sought to hear the word of God. But Elimus, the magician, for that's what his name is translated, was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But Saul, who was also known as Paul, filled with the Spirit, fixed his gaze on him and said, You who are full of all deceit and fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, you will, not, will you not cease to make crooked the straight ways of the Lord? Now behold, the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you will be blind, and you will not see the sun for a time. And immediately a mist of darkness fell on him, and he went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. He went about seeking those who would lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. And man, there's a lot in that scripture. There's a lot going on there, but what I want to talk about today is how the Holy Spirit sets us apart, how the Holy Spirit calls us, 
how the Holy Spirit sends us out and how the Holy Spirit fills us. And so to start with, it says the Holy Spirit said to them, set apart for me, Saul and Barnabas, set them apart. They are unique. In this case, they are different from the others. They are identified for a special purpose. I think God is dividing up kingdom people for kingdom purpose. Dividing up kingdom people, setting them apart for kingdom purpose. And God sets his people apart. We know that. When we go back and look in the book of Leviticus, God says we're a nation set apart. In Leviticus 20, 24, it says, Hence I have said to you, you are to possess their land, the enemy. And I give my, uh, and I myself will give it to you to possess it. It's a land flowing with milk and honey. I am the Lord your God who has separated you from the peoples. You are therefore to make a distinction between a clean animal and an unclean, between an unclean bird and a clean. And you shall not make yourself detestable by animal or by bird or by anything that creeps on the ground, which I have separated for you as unclean. Thus, you are to be holy to me, for I am the Lord, and I have set you apart from the peoples to be mine. So we know at this time, God has said, I am setting you apart as my people. And one of the ways you will be set apart is that you will not eat things that I designate as unclean. You'll become detestable if you engage in these things that I call unclean. And we know that we go through the law and we look at all of the physical do's and don'ts. Don't do this, do do this. And these were the things that they were under uh, in, in the process of coming to know God. But we're under a new covenant. And we know that that old covenant is a physical representation of spiritual concepts that we grab a hold today. So what is he saying to us? What would we do that would make us unclean? Is there something we would eat that would make us unclean? I'm looking at Matthew 15, 10. And this is what it says. After Jesus called the crowd to him, he said to them, hear and understand. It is not what enters into the mouth that defiles a man, not what you eat, but what proceeds out of the mouth, this defiles a man. This defiles a man. What comes out of mouth? Now, why is he making that point under the new covenant? I think it's because three chapters earlier in Matthew 12, he said this, either make a tree good and its fruit good or make a tree bad and its fruit bad. For by the tree is known by its Fruit, you brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak what is good? Watch, for the mouth speaks out of that which fills the heart. Now he goes on to say, it's not what you take in that defiles you, it's what you speak out, because what you speak out is what your heart is full of. So in the role as being set apart as a believer, this is not about rules to follow. In the role of being set about as a believer, it's not about the food you eat. In the role to be set about as a believer, it's about your heart and where your heart is. When the heart is right, obedience is no problem. Obedience is no problem when the heart is right. See, what happens is we don't need external controls. What we need is internal transformation. Because when the heart is transformed, then what is spoken from the heart is life. What is spoken from the heart doesn't defile. 
The scripture goes on to say, the Holy Spirit said, set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So we talked about being set apart and that holiness step of being set apart. Now he says they're called. And in order to be set apart, you have to be set apart first in order to be called. To be called, you have to be trusted. To be trusted, you have to have a track record with God. Do you have a track record with God that would cause you to be trusted? Because the Holy Spirit is going to call you to ministry. And I want to show you something that's in that same sentence. Don't miss this. He said they are set apart for the, to be called to a work. Being called to a work. So for any of you that believe that ministry is all fluff and roses and benefits, it ain't. It's work. It's work. And if you want fluff and benefits, go to Walmart. I mean, I love you, but most people want to be in ministry to have a position, to get some respect, to maybe have some fame. And the reality is that titles do not define a person. Character defines a person. Most people don't respect leaders because most people don't like to follow. And fame does not come when you can't meet the expectations of the masses. What am I saying here? I think there's a reason why the Holy Spirit says, there is a work that I called you to. There's a work. Now, I love you, okay? But I worked in manufacturing for 20 years. I had five hundreds of people that reported to me. And you know what? They did what I said. Why? Because I paid them to. And they did the work that I told them, and then that was good. That's how it worked. And they knew that if they didn't want to do what I said, then they didn't have a job and didn't have a pay. So then you get transferred into ministry, and you're working with 500 volunteers. Hello. I won't even go there. <laughs> Second point. The Holy Spirit called out two major players from the pack. So you may not know this, but Barnabas is there in Antioch, but Saul is not. He's in Tarsus. And in Acts 11, it says Barnabas left Antioch to go to Tarsus to find Paul. And it says in 26, when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Now watch this. And for an entire year, they met with the church and taught considerable numbers, and the disciples were first called Christians in Antioch. What am I saying? That they were a couple of major players that the Holy Spirit was calling out of the pack. They'd been there for a year. They'd invested their time. They had taught, but they had to pay those dues, listen to me, before they were called and sent out. You may not be aware of this if you're new to Revive, But if you come to Revive and you're new and you have that leadership gift, you have that potential, you've been working in that ministry, we're going to ask you to stay in the place not of leadership for six months. Why? So that we can get to know you? No. So that you can get to know us. So that you can understand the call of God on this church and understand if he's calling you to be in line with that call. There has to be some time. There has to be some time invested before you're chosen to be called out. And oftentimes, you're going to get called out of here, out of this local church body. 
Because the reality is the most important place is not here. The most important place is the kingdom of God. And so oftentimes, Holy Spirit will pull you out in order to send you out to another place in the kingdom of God for the benefit of the kingdom of God. And when he calls you, let me just say this, it won't be a surprise. In Romans 8, 28, we know the scripture very well. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. For those he foreknew... And he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brethren. And those that were predestined, he called. And those he called, he justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. I want you to watch this. Mike Feynman, come up here. Stand right here. Just stand right there. Why did Mike come up here? Because I called him to come up here. That's why Mike is standing here. You know what? I foreknew that I was going to call Mike Feynman up there, even though he did not know that I was going to call him. He was sitting there studying something in his Bible. Very good, by the way, highlighting and everything. And I called him. There was a predetermined reason on my part to call you. You were predestined to be right here, right now, because my decision was to call you up to here. You had no purpose to come up here until you were called. As a matter of fact, if you came up here when I did not call you, I would tell you, Mike, go sit down. And you know what? If you stand here and mill around waiting for me to do something with you, I'm going to say, you're just being annoying. Go sit down. Go sit down. (laughs) What's my point in that? Here's my point. This is a hard thing to hear. And I'll explain more why I have had to deal with this. It's a hard thing to hear. Listen, your availability does not create a call. Your study and your knowledge does not create a call. Your desire to be called does not create a call. Your request to be used does not create a call. The Holy Spirit decides when to call you. And there will be no calling for you until He decides to call you. Now listen to me. I'm actually trying to help. Because some of you are waiting and wanting that call. And I want to tell you the mistake you can make. You can force yourself into a position or into a call that Holy Spirit did not call you into. You can look for what's available and you can go present yourself and say, I could do that. Why don't you use me? But the Holy Spirit didn't call you to that. I will promise you that will be a miserable position for you. Why? Because you're not in alignment with God and the call of the Spirit. So the Spirit decides when to call you. Well, what do I do until He calls? Obedience from the heart. Make sure that what's coming in the fullness of your heart doesn't defile. Make sure that you're speaking the truth in love. And if you're not called since you're called to work, be grateful. Be grateful that you're not called. Because when He calls, I'll promise you it's going to be work. It's going to be fun. The next thing it says, that they were sent out by the Holy Spirit. Verse 4, they were sent out. 
The Spirit sets the direction in which you are to go. Now, hear me out. Sometimes the call to be sent from where you are is not necessarily a physical move. See, we all get comfortable with where we are. I like the familiar. I want to be used here. I know how it works here. Let me stay in a comfortable environment. But sometimes you can even stay here and still be sent out. What do I mean by that? You can be sent out of your traditional ways. You can be sent out of your religious views. You can be sent out of your timidity. You can be sent out of a secular job. And you can be sent out of the country. Which I think is most people's fear. God's going to call me. He's going to send me to some other country where I got to live in a hut. I don't know if I can handle that. <laughs> Listen to me. There's a scripture that says, God gives you the desires of your heart. I want you to hear me. That has nothing to do with you. It has nothing to do with you. He is not doing what you want in that scripture. He is saying, God will give you the desires of your heart. The desire that is there will be the desire given to you by God. You will have a desire to live in a mud hut so that when he calls you, there's an alignment with that. God will give you the desires that he needs you to have so that when he calls you, you're in alignment with what he calls you to. Mm. So let's look at Luke 10. Luke 10. Now after this, the Lord appointed 70 others and sent them in pairs ahead of them. To every city and place, watch this, where he himself was going to come. Let me say that again. He sent them in pairs ahead of him to every city and place where he himself was going to come. It's going to be important. And he was saying to them, the harvest is plentiful. The laborers are few. Therefore, beseech the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into the harvest. Go, behold, I send you out as lambs in the midst of of wolves. Let me just say this. If the Holy Spirit calls you to something, it is impossible for you to go without the Holy Spirit. Why? Because the Holy Spirit lives in you. So if he calls you to a place, it is because he wants the Holy Spirit's presence in that place. So wherever you are going is where he is going because you are taking him with you to that place. Are you with me? So sometimes you're being called, not because you're so great, but because the spirit wants to be in a place at a time to cause a purpose. And he's going to use you to go. Mm -mm -mm. So this is why you are set apart. This is why you are called. It's why you are sent out because there's a time and a place and a people that need Holy Spirit presence. And that presence resides in you. But did you notice he said he sends you out like a lamb among the wolves? Isn't that comforting? Wow, great. See, you're often sent to places you don't feel safe. For some of you, that's up on a stage. For some of you, that's in a one-in-one gospel presentation, the place you don't feel safe. But I want you to hear me. That scripture always bothered me that he considered us lambs among wolves until I realized that the wolf is already defeated. So the lamb can stroll through the wolf pack with no problem at all. I have nothing to fear because no weapon formed against me is going to prosper 
So I can go like a lamb through the wolves and they can snarl all they want. But when they get healed, they'll come to Jesus. Then finally in the scripture, he said, you got set apart. You got called out to work. You got sent out to a place, but then you got filled. I mean, the reality of this scripture is kind of terrifying. Paul strikes a man with blindness and it's a righteous thing. How many of you have had some believer strike you with blindness? That's kind of intense, isn't it? I'm thinking, why is that okay? Why is that okay? But I read back in 2 Kings chapter 6 about a man named Elisha. When the enemy was coming against Elisha. In in 2 Kings 6.18 it says, When they came down to him, Elisha prayed to the Lord and said, Strike this people with blindness, I pray. Now listen. So he struck them with blindness according to the word of Elisha. Because Elisha spoke it, God struck them with blindness. Then Elisha said to them, this is not the way, nor is this the city. Follow me, I'll bring you to the man you can seek, man you seek. And he brought them to Samaria. Now, if you go back and study that story, what happened was the enemy was coming against them. And Elisha said, no, we've got to take them to the king. And so he blinds them so that they will follow him to the king. They have no choice. They can't see. They follow him to the king. The kings, they get their eyes opened up and they recognize who is king. It's a story about Jesus, by the way. So Paul strikes Elimus blind. And I asked this question when I read it. What do you think made Paul think that was the right thing to do? See, Elimus is trying to keep the proconsul by coming to the faith, by persuading him that they're not telling truth. So if it were me, I'd be thinking, let's shut the guy's mouth. Let's make sure he doesn't speak so that he has no convincing to do of the proconsul. Or maybe let's pull a Philip on him and let's teleport him out of here so he's just not in the way. But I believe the answer as to why Paul saw that as the best solution is in Acts chapter 9. See, in Acts chapter 9, Paul is on his way to persecute the believers. At this time, he's called Saul by his Jewish name. Paul is his Greek name. And he's traveling to pursue uh, taking the people in Damascus under arrest because of the way. And it says, as he was traveling, it happened that as he was approaching Damascus, and suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. And he fell to the ground. And he heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And he said, who are you, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, the one whom you are persecuting. But get up, enter the city, and it'll be told what you you must do. And the men who travel with him, they stood there speechless, hearing a voice but seeing no one. Saul got up from the ground, watch, and though his eyes were open, he could see nothing. Now look at these next words. And leading him by the hand. Do you remember what it said about Elimus when he was struck blind? He was looking for someone to lead him by the hand. But leading him by the hand, they brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight. And he neither ate or drank. He was blind for a time. Do you remember what Saul said to Elimus? You'll be blind for a time. See, I think what's going on here is Elimus is persecuting the gospel of Christ. And what was Saul doing? Persecuting the gospel of Christ. So why did Saul think the right thing to do or Paul think the right thing to do was to strike him blind? Listen, I believe Paul remembered 
the love that God had for Saul when he blinded him. I believe that Paul remembered the directness of Jesus when Jesus said, why are you persecuting me? And although blindness was harsh, it was part of Saul's repentance process. It's a whole new light for me when I look at Elimus. He says, you're doing wrong. Jesus told Saul, you're doing wrong. You'll be blind for a time. You'll be blind for three days. You're going to need to be led by the hand. Saul, your people will lead you by the hand into the city. But Saul knew at the end of that blindness is a beautiful restoration with the king. And and so he blinds Elimus and says, hey, you're going to be blind for a while. And during that time, I intend for you to meet Jesus. Sometimes, I don't know who this is for, but sometimes Jesus will make it hard for you so that you'll repent. That's a hard thing to grasp. The loving Savior, until you remember a father's love, that sometimes a discipline is in place because of love to save you from making that mistake again, to teach, to train. So Paul blinds him because he remembers what blindness did for himself. So hear me out. Paul was using something out of his own experience. We will often work in what we have already overcome. You will often be asked to work in an area that you have already overcome in. Oftentimes, one who heals were once sick. Oftentimes, the one who encourages was once depressed. Oftentimes, the one who delivers was the one who was demonically oppressed. Don't think that God will not use what he has brought you through. God will intervene with this kind of issue, with a temporary blindness, when it's for his good. When it's for his good. Let me show you what I mean. Remember in the scripture, the pro-council was being swayed away. It says, but Elimus the magician was opposing them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. But after seeing Paul blind Elimus, it says, then the proconsul believed. When he saw what had happened, being amazed at the teaching of the Lord. In other words, the results of the demonstration of power brought the proconsul into belief. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians 2. Paul says this, When I came to you, brethren, I did not come with superiority of speech or with wisdom, proclaiming to you the testimony of God. Isn't that awesome? Isn't that an awesome way to start your conversation? When I came to you, I didn't come to you with, with wisdom and proclaiming God. For I determined to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. And my message and my preaching We're not in persuasive words of wisdom. I didn't come to you to try to convince you of anything with my wisdom. But in the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. With the demonstration in the Spirit and of the power. He says, I didn't try to use my words. I just wanted to demonstrate the power of God so that you... Wait a minute. Watch what he says. So that... 
This is why he used a demonstration of power instead of words. So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom that I could pour out to you, but on the power of God. Amen. That's a profound statement. Paul is saying, hey, I could come to you and I could whip out that New Testament and I could walk you through the Roman road and I could tell you how you're apart from Christ and I could show you in Scripture and I could give you this amazing wisdom, but you know what I'd rather do? Heal your deaf ears. Heal your blind eyes. Take that cancer out of you. Why? Because then your faith in God would not rest upon the knowledge of a wisdom of an argument. It would rest on the demonstration of the power of the Spirit. Let me just put it to you this way. Miracles are hard to forget. Arguments are not difficult to forget. But miracles are hard to forget. Let me close this out. It says that there was a baptism of the Spirit that happened on the day of Pentecost. The disciples were in an upper room, and Jesus comes to them and says, Peace be with you. And they say, What? Who are you? And he says, Look, the scars. They say, Oh, it's Jesus. We rejoice. He says, Peace be with you. Receive the Holy Spirit. Then he says, I want you to go to Jerusalem, because not many days from now, the Spirit will come upon you with power, and like John said, you'll be baptized in the Spirit. But then it says, we get filled with the Spirit after that occurs. These disciples, these apostles, they went on and all of a sudden says they were filled. What is a filling compared to a baptism? I don't think that it's necessarily different from the baptism in the Spirit. I think it is a manifestation of the baptism of the Spirit. Let me make that clear. When the Spirit comes upon you in baptism, you are opened up to the power and the significance of God and things like tongues may come or prophecy may come or boldness may come. Those things come. And then there are times when it says they got filled after that event. And I think if you look at the events of filling, you'll see the same things happened that happened at the baptism. Let me show you what I mean. In Acts 4, 31. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered was shaken. This was after the day of Pentecost. And they were were all filled with the Holy Spirit and they began to speak the word of God with boldness. Because they prayed, the Holy Spirit came and filled them and they were bold in speaking the word of God. Acts 4, 8. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we're on trial today for the benefit done to a sick man as to how this man was made well, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that happened by the name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene. In Acts 13, 52, the disciples were continually filled with joy and with Holy Spirit. In Romans 15, 18, Paul says this, For I will not presume, presume to speak anything except what Christ has accomplished through me, resulting in the obedience of the Gentiles by word and deed. In the power of signs and wonders and in the power of the Spirit, so that from Jerusalem and around about as far as Ukrainium, they, uh, I have fully preached the gospel of Christ. What is he saying? He's saying that he's working, being filled by the power of the Spirit in the Gentile kingdom. Even Christ had to be filled with the Spirit. In Luke 4, 13, Jesus returned to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit and news about him spread all through the surrounding district and he began teaching in their synagogues and was praised by all. Acts 10, 38. You know Jesus of Nazareth, how God anointed him with the Holy Spirit and with power and he went about doing good and healing all those who were oppressed by the devil for God was listen listen to you you need the Holy Spirit power in your walk 
You need the Holy Spirit power when you're sharing the gospel. You need to be filled with the Spirit. Without the power of the Spirit, all we have is words, and words are sometimes not enough, although the Word of God is very powerful. Even Paul said, if I try to convince you, calculating you through Scripture, that's what you'll base your faith on. And I'd rather you base your faith on the power of God. Jesus was set apart in heaven. He was called to mankind. He was sent to this earth and he was filled with the spirit. Why are we teaching this today? Because I believe in this room, there are people who are frustrated. From the time God called me in my living room in Flower Mound, Texas, it was three years before I stepped into a ministry position. Three miserable years. Why? Because I was ready. I knew I was ready. I was sure. I'd completely convinced myself I was ready. I was ready to walk away from the job, take whatever salary he put me on, because I just wanted to be in ministry because I was ready. My desire was there. But there was no call. There was no call. There were some bogus calls, but there was no call. Nothing that confirmed, nothing that fit together. And so I spent this three years very, very frustrated. So I want to speak to you today. If you're waiting on that call, I know it's hard. I know it hurts. I know you just step weep before God and say, come on, I'm ready. And that may be the truth. But the place he's calling you to may not be ready for you. And so he has to get that place ready before he calls you. Now listen to me. I think this is the thing that trips up most believers. Some of us are afraid we're going to miss the call. Did I get it already? God, what did I do wrong? Oh, was that something I was supposed to do? I'm not sure if I was supposed to. Well, maybe that was what I was supposed to do. Maybe I was supposed to ask about that. Well, I heard that came up and I didn't ask about it. So was I supposed to do it? Listen, it doesn't happen that way. Why would God hide it under a bushel and see if you walk by it and just happen to check under the bushel. When he's calling you to something where he wants the spirit to go. It's not going to be a hidden mystery. What makes it a hidden mystery is our desire to find something that looks like a call so we can attach ourselves to it. I know that's hard to hear. But I need to tell you, I've watched person after person after person pursue their own call and get frustrated and be very unsuccessful. Why? Because it never was the call of God on their life. It never was. They were never in line with the Spirit. They just had a desire that became overwhelming to them. When the call comes, you'll know it. Why? Because it will be in alignment with what's in your spirit. No secret. Not even a debate. Because he laid that in your heart and because you've been thinking about it for however long it's been. When it comes, you'll know it. There'll be no doubt. That's why people can truly leave jobs. It's why they can walk straight into ministry. It's why they can quit their job and go to school, to seminary, whatever they decide to do. Why? Because they know I got the call. I know I got the call. I got the call in my home in Amherst Lane in Flower Mountain, Texas. Told me point blank. You will enter the king's service. Three years of looking at everything that came along. Every little opportunity. 
every little Sunday school class to teach or every little uh, music ministry thing to get involved in or everything that I didn't even think I was qualified for. I I just wanted to put my name out there in case anybody was looking for the guy that got called. (laughs) But when the call came, it was no problem to walk away from that six-figure manufacturing job. to a Baptist church that needed a contemporary worship service. And I watched God bless and I found joy and through some of the craziest religious people in the world. I'm not talking about Baptists specifically. I'm not sure some of these people that were talking to me were even Baptist. I had a joy because I knew I was right where he wanted me doing what he wanted me to do and that's going to come to you listen to me listen to me it's going to come to you the reason you feel that call is because there is a call there but you wait you be obedient in your heart keep your heart pure don't get frustrated by somebody else who got put into ministry before you Don't get frustrated by the fact that God isn't doing what he said he would do. He is doing what he said he would do. You've just decided what it was. I say this to encourage you. There is a call. You've been set apart. God will send you out. And when he does, he will fill you with everything you need to do it. Relax. Enjoy the wait. Listen to me. Enjoy the wait because when it's over, it's work. It'll be work that brings you joy, but I promise you it'll wear you out. Well, what did you think? Has God been speaking to you about any of these things? We would love to hear from you. You can email us at info at reviveusnow.com. This message came from Pastor Todd's book, Holy Spirit Vindication. If you really enjoyed this, there is so much more for you in the rest of that book. It's really everything you wanted to know about the Holy Spirit from the Word of God. This book is available now on Amazon. This podcast is brought to you by Revive Church of Stewart, Florida. You can learn more about us at our website, reviveusnow.com. If you would like to support this ministry, go to our website, reviveusnow give. If you live in our area or are planning a visit to our area, we would love to have you join us. We are located at 8851 Southwest Old Kansas Avenue, Stewart, Florida. If you enjoy this podcast, why not click to subscribe right here on the podcast site of your choice. That way you won't miss any of Pastor Todd's and Revive Church's future podcasts.